you to ask, uh, ask that you use caution with all the things that we do, especially here. We would hate for an outbreak certainly to happen among our number, but we're thankful our crowd is growing. This is about the time then that the preacher gets to say that you need to be here early, right, to get a good seat. Want to be sure of that, so, uh, but we're certainly thankful for the good attendance. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, some of you may have realized, but some of you may have not, that today would have been our homecoming uh, for the congregation here, and we're certainly missing on not being able to do that this year. I even got a note uh, in my email the other day that Freed Hardeman University has decided to cancel their homecoming for this fall. A lot of places are having to do that due to the current circumstances, um, but we are thankful that you're here this morning. We certainly miss all those who would usually be with us on this day, the meal that we usually get to partake in. Uh, but again, we're just thankful for the opportunities we do have, including the opportunity to be able to uh, continue to stream online for those who are able to watch uh, in that type of way. And so we're thankful uh, for the many ways that God has continued to bless us. Uh, if you've got your bulletin in front of you, my children are already worried about how many uh, blanks we have to get through. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the lesson. It may be a test this morning on the time. I do have to begin by saying, though, that I am indebted to uh, one of my good brothers and one of my best friends, Chad Dollahite, who preaches for the Bremen congregation down in Bremen, Georgia. We communicate about once a week on sermons and what we're doing and the things we're studying, so oftentimes we, uh, uh, we share sermon ideas. And in fact, he sent me a message a couple of weeks ago, and like we do sometimes as preachers, he said, uh, I, it's Friday, and I am extremely stressed. I have spent all week and way too much time on this PowerPoint, and you have to use it. And I said, okay, well, uh, I will gladly do that. Uh, if you spent that much time on it, you want somebody else to get some benefit out of it, then uh, I will gladly take this lesson and preach it. But not only, Chad would tell you, not only did it come from him, uh, but this lesson was, was originally produced, as far as I know, by Brother Eddie Brinkley. Uh, many of you may have had an opportunity to hear Brother Brinkley over the years. In fact, if you're able to see on the chart there on the screen, um, Brother Brinkley first presented this lesson as a sheet sermon. Uh, some of you may recall the days when PowerPoint was not a thing. We didn't have uh, fancy slides or projectors or things to be able to share our notes. But then brethren had to go and find bed sheets uh, in order to put up their, their notes or what they wanted people to know and some of you recall those. Brother Brinkley would take that and, and put other small uh, sheets over it and then reveal it a little bit of it as a time, as we do oftentimes with our PowerPoint. So I'm certainly indebted to those who have put this lesson together originally. But as I was thinking about it, and Chad said, you know, you need to do it. I said, well, absolutely. I think it's a great sermon for us to consider. We need to consider that there is, it is a fact that churches and even members can die spiritually. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. It is certainly possible that churches, congregations of, of God's people can die, but so can Christians. Members of the church can die, and you see the emphasis there on the screen, they can die spiritually. You can be spiritually dead and still coming to the church building every Sunday. You can be spiritually dead and coming to Bible class. If you are here, but you are not in the church, then maybe you are alive physically, but we might also say that you are dead spiritually. And so sometimes, as our title says, there is an autopsy performed. Most of us are familiar with that, certainly with the, uh, with the popularity these days of, of dramas on television and uh, cop shows and that kind of thing. A lot of us are familiar 
with an autopsy that takes place, but the definition, of course, would be a post-mortem examination to discover the cause of death. And so we're going to think this morning for just a few moments about a person, but maybe more specifically a church member. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a member of the church, maybe you're already dead in trespasses and sins, as the Bible says. It's going to be good for you to consider these things, but we hope that you would consider all that is said about what a church member should be. But more than likely, most of you, as I look out among the audience, here are church members, and maybe you need to consider for a few moments a bit of an autopsy. Maybe you are here physically present. You're breathing. There's blood pumping through your veins, but maybe you're dead spiritually. So let's consider, first of all, some possible causes of death. The first one is spiritual starvation. Spiritual starvation. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, Peter would say, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We have to eat in order to grow. If we don't eat, then we will die in a physical sense. Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14, the Hebrew writer would say, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is, notice, unskillful in the word. It's possible that we can die of starvation physically, but maybe even spiritually. We know Matthew 5 and verse 6, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Starvation is a problem here in this life, but certainly in a spiritual sense as well. We notice, secondly, maybe someone might die of spiritual diabetes. Many people are familiar with that. We've already mentioned one relative of a member that we want to pray for, dealing with the physical complications of diabetes. But what about from a spiritual sense? Isaiah chapter 30, verses 9 and 10. This is a rebellious people, God says through Isaiah. Lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, but notice, speak unto us smooth things. Right? We're familiar with the New Testament passages. Well, excuse me, first of all, as well from Jeremiah chapter 6. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace. When there is no peace. What good does it do for us when we say that we have peace, but there is in reality no peace? And then, of course, uh, when we think about the New Testament, we think about 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. We might say that many people want the sweet and sugary things that they like to hear. We might even say sometimes that when you watch the television, if you're not careful, there are those who would promote something called the prosperity gospel and the, the idea of things that are sweet and are good for us to hear. You know, I think we would be a little disappointed if we showed up every Sunday and the sermon was only, we sometimes say, hellfire and brimstone. But I think we can go too far the other way if we're not careful and we can only preach the sweet and sugary things. And It's possible that we might die of spiritual diabetes. The third thing on the screen there already is sclerosis of the giver. 
If you're familiar with sclerosis, it's the idea of a hardening. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7, For every man, according as he purposeth in his own heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Sometimes we have a hardening of our giver, we might say. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus begins that parable by saying, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You remember the man there. He says, I've got too much stuff. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And of course, when God calls him a fool and says your life will be required of you, Jesus says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Maybe we have a hardening of our giving sometimes. Maybe another possible cause of death is Sunday sickness. We know John 4, 23 and 24, the Father seeks true worshipers. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. We're familiar with Hebrews chapter 10. I've always commended this congregation for promoting verse 24 as well as verse 25. Consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner of of some is, but exhorting one another. Maybe it's a Sunday sickness, but maybe it's just not a Sunday morning sickness. Maybe it's a Sunday night sickness or a Wednesday sickness that Christians can sometimes get that can be a possible cause of death. What about spiritual cancer? We would all agree that cancer is one of the worst things that people face physically today. I didn't even take time to count up on our prayer list how many people on that list are actually facing physical cancer. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. The Corinthians there have a man who is living in open fornication. And not only are they not doing anything about it, but Paul would write to them and say, You are proud. You are proud of their to- they're proud of their tolerance for this particular brother. In verse 6, it says, Do you not know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump it's amazing sometimes how fast cancer can spread when we think about physical cancer and how much damage it can do i remember when my dad got sick with cancer i felt like it was something that we didn't know as much about you know i knew of one other person i think at that time maybe that had been sick with cancer but now everywhere we turn people have physical cancer and it is terrible to face and so many people have to face it but brethren i'll remind you this morning There's nothing worse than dying that spiritual death and not being prepared, being ready. What about spiritual cancer? And then maybe spiritual heart disease. You remember the church at Ephesus there in Revelation chapter 2 when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches of Asia? They had a lot of good things going on. But Jesus would say, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. We talk about heart disease. It's a real problem again heart disease in a physical sense is if it's not still the biggest one of the top two or three killers of americans and maybe even around the world but what about spiritual heart disease sometimes we need a heart transplant there's only one person we can go to for a true spiritual heart transplant remember in psalm 51 in verse number 10 david would say create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me 
This is just a list of six things here, possible causes of death, and certainly uh, these are things that we need to be considering and mindful of, just as we want to go get screenings and doctor's checkups for things that we face here upon this earth from a physical sense. These are some possible causes of spiritual death. Let's, let's go a little further. Let's take a look at this feller on the screen here that might represent any of uh, church members. And I'll go ahead and warn you now, uh, a few of these things are going to be a little bit humorous as we play on words and think about some things. But I want to challenge you to really consider some of these things that we're going to talk about. The first thing we might notice about this particular fella is he's got a skull bone that is too big. Too big. Well, when we examine that skull bone, we notice it's too big. We might say that he's got the big head, right? He's got the big head. That's something that we face from time to time. Think about Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The Bible is clear that we have to be very careful about being too proud. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. An Old Testament reference and a New Testament reference. We have to be careful about pride. Proverbs 21, in verse number 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. And even 1 Timothy 3, in verse 6, on the screen there. Uh, you may notice and recognize that passage because it's really pointed at elders. And oftentimes we would point out that, that all men really should try to hold some of these same things that an elder should be. But it says that an elder should be not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. It's possible that we could have the big head. And I'll tell you now, as we may say several more times, the big head... Well, it'll kill you spiritually. And yes, maybe elders need to be watching out for that, but maybe we as members do as well. Let's continue on. We notice that this guy's got a nose bone that seems to exhibit extreme wear. It's got extreme wear on his nose there if we were to do an autopsy. Well, maybe that's because he was a busy body. You ever know anybody that was a busy body? Sometimes that nose is going in other people's business. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15. But let none of you suffer. Notice, this is one of these lists that we talk about. As a murderer or as a thief or as an evil doer. Got it, Peter. Not me. I'm not a murderer. I don't do any of those things. Or as a busybody in others, other men's matters. Sometimes we get so caught up with what everybody else is doing, we might be considered a busybody. Paul would write in two different places to those in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but notice the warning, our are busybodies. How now them that are such we commend and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with questions, quietness, excuse me, with quietness they work and not and eat their own bread. Quietness as opposed to being a busybody. You know anybody who maybe might be considered of being too much, of having a bit of extreme wear in their nose? And even 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Something that we tell our children. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your nose out of other people's business. But if we're not careful, oftentimes we can do the same thing as adults. Let's continue on. 
Notice in his jawbone, he's got some extreme wear there in his jawbone as well. We might say, this guy died of the big mouth. He's got the big mouth. You ever know anybody like that? James chapter 1 and verse number 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, religious and bridleth not his own tongue, but to see with his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's possible sometimes that we run off at the mouth. James continues on, chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. You remember the discussion about the tongue and how we need to be careful about our tongue. James 3, 6 through 8. What about continuing on from the book of Proverbs and even Ecclesiastes, Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Some, I've heard somebody say one time, an old proverb, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove them right, right, sometimes. We have to be careful that we don't show that we have signs of having the big mouth. Notice Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 3, a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Something certainly that can kill us if we're not careful in a spiritual sense. Sometimes we've got a big mouth and we need to be careful to watch our tongue. Let's go on a little further. Keep calling him the feller, but maybe it would be a brother. Maybe it would be a sister here who's dealing with some problems in their neck bone. Now, if you've got your outline in front of you, you're going to write the word stiff because maybe this person died of a stiff neck bone. And before we get to the second part there of your outline, remember Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. As Stephen is about to lose his life, he's about to be stoned. He's preaching that great gospel sermon, and he accuses those who, of, who are listening of being stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Are we too stiff-necked sometimes? 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse number 8. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but, and notice it helps us to, to see the opposite, but yield yourselves unto the Lord. We should not have a stiff neck or be accused of being too stiff neck. But maybe that guy, he dies of a stiff neck because he keeps doing this. He keeps looking back. You remember in Luke chapter 9, the warning from Jesus there. Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we would be close to becoming fully committed, but we've got a problem in that our neck is, is injured because we keep looking back. And maybe this guy, this person, is dying spiritually or is dead spiritually, and it's because they've got too stiff of a neck, and maybe that stiffness comes from looking back. Does that describe you? I hope not. If it does, maybe it's something that you need to change so that you don't become dead permanently in that sense. Let's go on a little bit further. Notice that the chest bones here of this particular person show signs of TB. Now, that's not tuberculosis there. Chest signs, we open this guy up, we look at his chest. Chest, signs show sign, or chest bones show signs of TB. Maybe that's because he's too busy. He's too busy. Now, now maybe we're starting to step on a little bit of toes. Maybe my own included. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he kind of sums it up very succinctly. You cannot serve God and mammon. What about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his 
righteousness. That should be the thing that takes first place in our life. And if we're not careful, we get too caught up in the other things that are going on. What about Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You recall a few weeks ago that we preached on idolatry. We talked about that sometimes our relationships get in the way of us putting God first in our life. Sometimes we're just too busy. I like the way Paul says it to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. All we can do is live this life. We've got to have jobs and support our family and take care of our earthly business. But sometimes we show signs of TB. We're a little bit too busy in our life, and we need to be careful of that. Now, as we move on to our next part of the body here, it's kind of interesting. These other things, these five things we've looked at so far, there were problems, there were issues, there were signs of wear. But notice this particular fella, went too far there, excuse me, his shoulder bones are pristine. There's actually no problems there. The shoulder bones, we open it up the body, we look at them, they're good. And you may have already noticed, it's because there was no burden bearing. His shoulder bones are good because he's not bear, bore any burdens of himself or anyone else. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, some people are good. They're not close to dying of having any problems with their shoulders they're not bearing any burdens they're not bearing any kind of any type of cross again maybe it's their own cross but even Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2 bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and then again in verse number 5 for every man shall bear his own burden sometimes our shoulders it's not a problem of wear it's a problem of they're too nice they're good we don't have any shoulder issues because we're not bearing any burdens let's go on a little bit further Look at that arm bone there. We see the arm bone, and if you notice, we zoom in a little bit further, that arm bone looks to be a little bit broken. Now, I don't know if an arm bone that's broken can kill you physically, can it? Maybe it possibly, but not often that's the case. But when we think about it in a spiritual sense, maybe that arm got broken from patting himself too much on the back, reaching back a little too far and having that particular issue. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 10 so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Is that the attitude we have? Saying we've just done what was ours to do? Or maybe we have a problem and that we think we've done enough. We've accomplished the goal. Let's stop for a minute and pat ourselves on the back. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand Doeth that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. We get too caught up sometimes wanting to pat ourselves on the back, give ourselves service with our own lips, and then sometimes we find that our arm gets a little broken sometimes. And I warn you again, it'll kill you in a spiritual sense if you're not careful. What about? Let's look at the finger bones. You ever notice sometimes finger bones? I don't know, again, that that would kill you in a physical sense, but sometimes our finger bones show extreme wear. Maybe that's because of all the finger pointing we like to do sometimes. That happens, right? We get busy pointing the finger at everyone else. 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5, 3, 3 through 5, Jesus gives a humorous example. We've already said this sermon sounds kind of a bit humorous from time to time to think about that we might die of these things. But what about the example that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 7? We're too busy sometimes focusing on that little speck in someone else's eye, and we've got what is essentially a telephone pole sticking out of our own eye. I always envision us hitting someone upside the head. We can't even get close enough. We're smacking them with our telephone pole when we're trying to reach just a little speck of dirt or wood that's in somebody else's eye. It's humorous to think about, but it's certainly possible that we could die from too much finger pointing, worrying about everyone else. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of who? Of himself to God. You remember Matthew chapter 7, going back to the first reference there. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1 is one of the most misquoted and misused passages in all the Bible. What does it say? Judge not that you be not judged, right? Does Jesus say that we cannot judge? That we cannot go to someone and tell them when they're wrong? No, because that would then contradict Galatians chapter 6 that we talked about just a few moments ago. But what Jesus is saying after Matthew 7-1 is verses 3 through 5 that if we would get our own life right and not worry about finger-pointing everyone else, and as you heard, maybe you've told your children that oftentimes when you point with one finger, there's three pointing back at yourself. If we would not be so busy finger-pointing at everyone else, we might remember that we need to take care of ourselves first. We go all the way back to the Bible, in the Bible to the beginning. Remember Genesis chapter 3. The finger-pointing begins very early when Eve says, it's the serpent, and Adam says, it was Eve. What about 1 Samuel chapter 15? When there's the problem there, Samuel's going to say, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, which should have been utterly destroyed. What wasn't my fault. It was their fault for doing those things. And even 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, the warning, examine yourselves. Let's worry about ourselves first, and then I would say our finger bones might not show extreme wear, and we would be not worried about everyone else but taking care of ourselves first. Let's move on a little bit further here. What about the backbone? Well, let's zoom in a little bit there. Notice that backbone is missing. You ever know anybody that was missing a backbone? We oftentimes call them a coward, right? We oftentimes call them a coward. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. For God hath, hath not given us the spirit of fear. But notice continuing on, the next verse says, Be now, not thou therefore ashamed. Are we ashamed of God sometimes? We're afraid. We're a coward. And of course, Luke chapter 9 and verse number 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Do we have a backbone, or are we oftentimes a coward? Look, it's a, it, it's a crazy world out there today, and we have, as Christians, we have a hard time sometimes drawing a line between when we need to speak up, and sometimes we need to speak up, and sometimes when we get involved in things that are unnecessary. I'll just go ahead and tell you that oftentimes on Facebook, it gets a little unnecessary. It's hard sometimes to really speak up and be heard in social media. But then sometimes, if we're not careful, we're just a coward. We don't want to speak up on behalf of God and His Word. Think about Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Again, both of those, Revelation 2.13 and Revelation 3.8, speaking to the churches of Asia. I know thy works, speaking to Pergamos, 
Jesus says, And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. And even Revelation 3, 8, to the church at Philadelphia. I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Are we strong in our faith and in standing up for the word of God, or are we cowards? If you don't have a backbone... You're going to die spiritually. Let's keep going. What about that hip bone? You notice it's out of joint. Some of you have had that issue before. Got a hip bone that's out of joint. What would call a, a hip bone to go out of joint? Fence straddling. Straddling that fence, trying to stand on both sides. Could wear out your hip. And maybe you've got a bit of a problem with the hip bone there. We've been talking for weeks about 1 Kings chapter 18. But we've stopped at verse number 18 as we talked about idolatry. But you remember verse number 21 when Elijah comes before the people of the Lord, the children of Israel, and he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? What's he saying? Get off the fence. Quit trying to straddle the fence to the children of Israel. You mean they were doing that almost 4,000 years ago? What are we doing in the year 2020? No, we're trying to straddle the fence, and sometimes our hip bone gets out of socket. What about James 4, 4? Ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's not me. I'm not involved in adultery. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Maybe not in a sexual sense, but do you want to be an enemy of God? A person who's an enemy of God is one who is trying to straddle the fence and be on both sides. If you're not careful, hopping back and forth, going between the two, knock that hip bone out of socket if we're not careful. What about that tailbone? Yeah, let's talk about the tailbone for a minute. It's got some extreme wear as well. Maybe that's from too much sitting in the pew. You ever known anybody that sat too much in the pew? Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 13, The slothful man saith, There is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. There's no need for me to get outside the doors, I need to stay right in here. I'll just keep my seat nice and warm in the pew. You ever known anybody like that? James 2 verses 17 and 18, Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead. You mean to say, preacher, we got to get out of the building? we got to go do things. We've got to be active. We can't just sit here. That if I'm here on Sunday morning, and, and hopefully we can meet here again on Sunday night very soon, or, or Wednesday night, and I so, show up and I sit in the pew, that's not enough. If you're not careful, you'll die from extreme wear in your tailbone. Simply sitting in the pew too much. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. They're going to think we're pretty peculiar if we only stay in the building all the time. We just live our lives here. They're also going to think we're peculiar if we get out into the world. And we show that we're different. It's possible that you can die spiritually from too much tailbone wear, from simply sitting in the pew and never getting out of the church building. What about his bones? Let's notice this guy's bones for just a moment. You see in the leg bone there, there's a rottenness. Some of you are familiar with that passage. There's rottenness in the bones and it's envy. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. Do you have rotten bones? Is it killing you even this morning? Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 26, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Sometimes we got a problem with envy. And then again, Proverbs 24 and verse 1, Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. You see, sometimes our problem is not that we envy our brothers and sisters, but we look at the world. 
We say, boy, that seems really nice. You know, that guy's not got to get up on Sunday morning. He gets to sleep in. He gets to take his boat out, do whatever he wants to do. Boy, it sure seems hard to live righteous. Boy, everybody else seems to have it real easy. We envy evil people. And if we're not careful, it will become the rottenness of our bones. We're almost done here, but let's move on a little bit further. Notice the knee joints. The knee joints are a little stiff in this particular fella. What's the problem? Well, he wouldn't submit. He wouldn't submit. Some people might say as well, and Brother Brinkley actually in his particular sermon would say that sometimes the knee bones have a problem because they don't get down in prayer enough. We might say that. But for our purpose, let's take the route of he wouldn't submit. Wouldn't give himself over totally to God. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We must submit to King Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, one day every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth. We will bow to him. The world will bow to him one day if we're not careful. Or everyone will. But if we're not careful, that will be the only time. And our knee joints will be stiff because we didn't submit. Romans chapter 14 and verse 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. When we think about that day of judgment, let's not let that be the day that our knees get a little work. That we bend them then in submission to King Jesus and to God the Father. Let's give our knees a little bit of work now. Not only hitting our knees in prayer, as we might say, but also submitting to the will of the Father. And then finally, look at those feet bones. You ever know anybody to die of feet bone problems? Well, some folks have certainly have problem with their bones. These feet bones, though, they look very ugly. Well, that's because they wouldn't teach the gospel. Problem is, they wouldn't teach the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then, notice Paul gives us the answer. We have the question sometimes, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, if you're not careful, you see Joel's name there. But I would submit to you, I don't think Paul meant Joel. I think he meant a teacher. I think he meant anyone who would take the gospel to the world. Yeah, the preacher can do that and, sh and should do that. But notice how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You've heard of passing it on. You've heard the idea of the multiplying effect. If one would teach two, those two could then each teach two, which is now four. We go on and on and on. Sometimes our feet bones have problems. They're very ugly. Probably very similar to sitting in the pew and having the tailbone wear because we're never going. We're never teaching the gospel. An autopsy of a dead church member. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You don't understand some of this. You don't have those problems because you've never submitted yourself to him and become a Christian. But maybe you're here this morning and you look at this particular autopsy and you see that feller and you think, Ooh, I might exhibit some of those same signs. The good news is you're still alive this morning here. You're breathing. You have breath in your lungs. You have blood in your veins. You have an opportunity to be made right. As we said, maybe you're not a Christian and you need to submit to God's simple plan of salvation. You know, all those things don't have to be scary. I mean, if you're like me, I don't, I'll raise my hand. I don't want to go to the doctor. 
I don't want to know what things are wrong with me. But how many of us know that something's wrong and then we can take care of it? At the work, the place I used to work, the steel company, they used to do a blood draw every year. And uh, you could get some breaks on your insurance from that. But actually, one of our bosses, one of the managers, had had blood drawn, got a high particular kind of count, and went and was able to catch cancer very early because of a blood draw at work. How, how beneficial is it when we catch things early and then we're able to take care of it? What about any of you got any heart disease in your family? Any problems with disease? You're able to catch things maybe because you have a problem and you're able to rectify it. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're able to rectify your life even right now. As we are about to sing this song of invitation that's been selected, Jesus has paid it all. He's done the work. He shed his blood. And you can be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can become a Christian and begin to live faithfully. But maybe you've not done that. You look at that skeleton, you look at that dead church member, and it kind of steps on your toes. You go, maybe that's me. I'm exhibiting signs. Change. Change even this day. Put aside those things that are wearing you out, those reasons you might be dead spiritually, and be alive. Jesus says you can be alive and yet still be dead. But the good news is, is we still have time, breath, and blood coursing through our veins. As we are about to sing this song of invitation, you have an opportunity to make a change, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to Him, even now as we stand together and as we sing. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, shout of we.